Welcome to episode 104 of the Jackson Hole Connection, brought to you by Jackson Hole Wine Club. Please visit thejacksonholeconnection.com slash TLS to learn more. Hello from Jackson Hole. I'm Stephan Abrams, your host and guide. Each week I sit with someone connected to this beautiful area I call home, Jackson Hole, to share their fascinating story about daily life. I feel we can all learn so much from each other with a little bit of conversation, and I intend to search out people who want to sit down and talk and share their story with a little bit of time. So today's guest is Kathy Schill, the founder and owner of Whole Hiking Experience. Kathy first arrived in the Valley just after college in the mid-1980s and found her special place. Kathy has one of the most amazing places to call her office space, the Greater Yellowstone Ecosystem, which she shares her love for nature and the wonderful outdoors with her clients. Kathy and her knowledgeable guides create special experiences for each of their guests. Kathy and I visit about her journey to where she has arrived today, why she wants to share her office space with so many folks, and Kathy provides some valuable pointers on how you can experience the outdoors with a new perspective. Kathy, delighted to have you here as a guest for the Jackson Hole Connection, and it's wonderful to meet you and, and see you. Congratulations on the, the many years of your, your business, Hole Hiking Experience. Let's start off, since this is the Jackson Hole Connection, with what is your history and connection to Jackson Hole? And then I, I would love to hear as well how you started this business, the Hole Hiking Experience. Well, you know, I got to go back a few years, but um, I came to the Valley in college in the mid 80s and I had a friend who came right after high school to horsepack in the Teton wilderness and I was transferring to the University of Oregon driving from Ohio and it made sense to visit her in Jackson Hole. So I first came into the Valley from Yellowstone or from the North and when I first saw the Teton Range I'd never seen it before, you know, mid 80s. And I saw these mountains and I just knew I liked them. And we spent the weekend and had tons of fun, of course, visiting my girlfriend. I went on to college and I came back that following year and I came for Thanksgiving and I visited her and then I came to work the following summer. I graduated from college with the plan to spend a little bit of time in Jackson Hole and then head on to, you know, my master's and my you know, career in science. I got an undergrad in biology. So by now it's 1986 and I'm in Jackson wanting to spend a little time. I have a degree in biology and trying to figure out how to use it. And at the time there was um, the opportunity to share um, the Alpine environment accessible by the aerial tram at Jacksonville Mountain Resort. And I got a job in the summer guiding hikes up there. So I did that and I waited tables and, you know, two years passed and I love the job and love the hiking. And the second summer when I was up there working, I met two stewardesses, which was PC at the time, as they called themselves, but flight attendants. And they asked me about hiking on their own in bear country. They were afraid of bears. And I thought there was no hiking service in Jackson Hole in the late 80s. And I thought to myself, well, I could take them hiking. I could teach them about nature and I could keep them safe in bear country. 
so that's kind of was the what started the little impetus for me to be look into starting a nature company. And a lot of people, even to this day in 2020, don't realize you do have to be authorized to use the land. You have to be permitted to gain access and start a company on our public lands, you know, here in Wyoming. And so I didn't know that initially. And someone said, well, you have to get permits. And it's interesting because at that time in, you know, the late 80s, I didn't really want to share Grand Teton National Park because I wanted to share some of the millions of acres here in Jackson and surrounding area that are a little harder to find and are just as spectacular, less marked, less signed, where you may need a guide more just to interpret, you know, share the natural world, but also, you know, share a different part of the valley harder to find on your own. So I went to the Forest Service, Bridger Teton National Forest to here in Jackson, the Jackson District, and I talked to these couple of women. And, you know, it's interesting as I reflect back, you know, they kind of laughed. They're like, okay, I'm sorry, you're a biologist and you like to hike and you're going to start a hiking company in Jackson Hole and you think it's going to work? <laughs> so... I was in the, like in oh. the 80s, no doubt. In, right, right, right. Yeah. I started in 1989, so they're like whatever. But the thing about it that worked in my benefit was hiking was is minimum impact compared to horse use. And in the late 80s, you know, horse packing, riding a horse was much more popular than maybe ecotourism activity on a trail today. You know, the use of the land was different. So when I wanted to get authorization to walk on a trail compared to the four legs and the weight of a horse. And forest land is managed to sustained yield or what the land can hold. So a lot of different opportunities in the late 80s than there are today due to the amount of use. So they kind of chuckled. They said, oh, okay, here we go. We'll give you a few days, see what you can do. And I remember the first hike call I got, I was like, Monday we go here, Tuesday we go there, Wednesday we go there. And the people on Monday wanted to go on the Wednesday hike. And I was like, no. Wednesday hike goes on Wednesday hike. Monday hike is Monday hike. And I told them no. I think back to the first call ever. And I was like, no. (laughs) Then I can think my first hike was like to Goodwin Lake. And I think of that one man and how much he liked it and gave me a great, you know, gratuity and love the experience and being in the middle of the wilderness area, remote with a guide and learning and You know, I'm I'm enthusiastic and outgoing and engaging and people like that. And I love nature. So I've been known as quirky. I take that as a compliment. Anyway, so that's what I did in 1989. And now people laugh. Here I sit with a successful nature company in Jackson Hole due to just a vision and a dream and everything fell into place. So And and a lot of hard work and and many years under of of the hard work. It didn't happen overnight. It's (laughs) 1989. To 2020, yeah. we're talking 31, 31 years. It, it didn't happen. I'm sure you experienced many struggles during that time. You know, I did. I did. I mean, there's always struggles with business. I always think it's funny. People in the business world come to Jackson like, oh my gosh, it must be so great. You know, just look what you're doing. And I'm like, well, any business comes with <laughs> stress and, you know, people get sick, you know, staff, whatever, you know, but I love what I do. So you know, you make it through and you get to look, I mean, the greater Yellowstone ecosystem. I mean, what an office. I mean, here, here's my office. I, I do have a question for you. Now, I've hiked to Goodwin Lake many times being a local and I probably take, advan- take it for granted some of the nature and history that's back there. So to give an idea to people who are listening who might not even know, such as myself, who are, who are locals, what would they learn on such a hike going to Goodwin Lake? 
Well, you know, you would learn about Goodwin, you know, who was, it's a little controversial as to who he was, but he did spend time up at that lake. It's named after a person that was up there as an explorer. You know, Goodwin Lake is in the Grovant mountain range and Jackson Hole is a hole because it's a valley surrounded by mountains. The Grovant Mountains happen to be the eastern edge of Jackson Hole. It's a bit more of a remote part of um, the area being outside of the Teton Range. But being across from the Tetons, which is where the Grovants are located, you get amazing views. And you would know that by going to Goodwin Lake. So you learn about, you know, the geology, you know, the fact that we are within the Rocky Mountains. You learn about, you know, the mountains themselves and how they were formed. You know, that's just driving out the National Elk Refuge, managed by the Fish and Wildlife Service, learning about what happens there in the winter with the elk and the feed ground. And, and then as you make your way up towards Goodwin Lake, you get those amazing views. And then you're learning about, you know, the geology and the Rocky Mountains and the young age of the Tetons and how time will change all of that. And then as you journey up, you never know what you might see, you know. I mean, we've seen, you know, amazing animals, you know, on the way. So that's always fun. And then as you get there, you know, the day is managed and somewhat worry-free because you have somebody that knows how to, you know, keep us hydrated, make sure we have enough food. How do you leave no trace if you go to the restroom, you know, in the woods, that kind of thing, you know? But then once we're on the trail, the best part of that is Mother Nature shares what we might talk about. And right now, as we talk in mid-August, it's time for berries. You know, let's eat a raspberry. Let's eat a whortleberry. A lot of grouse whortleberry up at Goodwin Lake. Raspberries up by those palace slopes right before the lake. You know, we use our senses and, um, you know, enliven nature by making the trip interactive. So we're right now reading berries, you know. So on the trail, we interpret based on like time of the year. A month ago, all those flowers are blooming. We're talking about blooming flowers, what's medicinal, you know, how they're pollinated, why they grow, where they grow. So it's all about let's go up the trail and learn. And then ultimately, how we're learning or, or the, is customized and catered to the group. Because if people want to, you know, climb the peak above Goodwin, you got to get moving, right? So our interpretation has a lot to do with people's own physical ability and interests. Whether it's, I'd like to learn every flower, bird, rock on the way, or maybe I'd like to just talk in the concepts of the natural world as I'm hurrying or getting my active aerobic heart beating hike in. That's certainly a, a perspective of some of the things that being a local that I probably take for granted that I would do as well back there. And especially, like you said, in, in the summertime, we go hiking with our kids and we're like, Oh, those are huckleberries. Take a, take bend over, pick up, right. pick some huckleberries and enjoy one of nature's delicacies. Exactly. And, and one of the guys that I work with, he he's learned from a, a local guy here in town about mushroom picking. And mm. he, <laughs> I'm not sure of a weekend that he's not mushroom picking now. Uh, if it's mushroom conditions are, are right, right. He, he's right, out there for right it. Right now, he, yeah. yeah, he can look for the chanterelles. Mm-hmm. You have to right now. If we get some rain. Well, you you mentioned something important, which I love, and and I'm envious of, and I bet a lot of people are envious of, is that you mentioned your office is the Greater Yellowstone ecosystem, and why why is that important to you? What is, how does that make you feel to know that that is your office? You know, I, it's, it's funny. Um, 
I don't know if I have quite a concrete answer, but I think we all know when we're kind of in our groove and doing what we're maybe supposed to be doing or feel that we're the happiest doing, we all hopefully have that feeling of what it means to like be in the groove in our lives. And I hope everyone can experience it because I think it's possible for us all to get in that groove. And for me, whether I, you know, I started with my grandmother, you know, digging clay out of the hillsides in Ohio or learning how to walk, you know, properly downhill or my family, you know, hiking some of the um, cultural history, the Native Americans and stuff in the Midwest, you know, some of their area, some of their land we would explore. And I was always in nature and exploring nature with my family. And I, I liked it, you know, and then when I came here, and I didn't really look too much into Wyoming prior to driving through, I, I wasn't aware that this ecosystem, this 18 million acres, you know, is the largest intact ecosystem in the lower 48 states. And being in this, you know, temperate zone, we have our four seasons in the earth, the size of this protected land is, is unique. And I like being in nature where I believe the web of life is connected, meaning all the species that were ever here historically are still here. And if we want to align with the natural world, we have the best possibility to give it all its possibility if we're in an area that the web of life is connected. So we have the opportunities to be maybe as much connected to the earth and dependent on it as any Native American or any person living on or with the earth. And I like that. I, I'm, I'm very envious of you. That's, that's spectacular. I, I love what I do for work, for uh, what takes up my time. Um, what I give my time to, I should say, and I love your enthusiasm. You, you mentioned one other thing that I thought was interesting is, and, and please correct me, you mentioned about the species known in, in the Yellowstone ecosystem, and they're still connected. They're still there. Could you speak a little bit more in detail of the significance of, of that? Sure, sure. You know, I, I think all of us probably know innately, or we have the opportunity to know that there needs to be balance in our lives. And in the natural world, from a biological perspective, you need to have a balance also, so the environment can be healthy. And here in the greater Yellowstone ecosystem, we have all the historical animals. So they self-regulate you know, their populations, in some respects, based on habitat, but we have the greater Yellowstone ecosystem. So they're kind of living, I mean, with us, we live in the ecosystem, but the ecosystem here since the early 70s has been managed so all the species can survive. So because we manage this land, the larger predators, which would be, you know, the grizzly bear, the wolves, the mountain lions, large predators need a lot of land to meet their needs. So that supports a, a sustainable population for those predators. And, you know, they need enough food to survive, you know, so those larger predators are really more the signals for the overall health of the ecosystem. So the grizzly bear would be the iconic one here. If we can keep the grizzly bear healthy and thriving, then our ecosystem is healthy and thriving. So people that live elsewhere have probably have some species of animal that may be out of balance. It could be deer on the East Coast, could be coyotes or the coyote. It could be raccoons. 
It could be rats. Whatever it is, it can get out of balance if it doesn't have nature to regulate it and keep, you know, so this area pulses with the natural vibrancy of life. And if we let it do what it wants and needs to do, Mother Nature knows what needs to be done. We just have to let her do it. And I like being here where that possibility exists. It is noticeable out there when, when you have the opportunity to go hiking in, in the, that big area that you're referring to. Well said and very informative. I'll be right back with Kathy after this quick message from the show's sponsor. Jackson Hole Wine Club, the newest and most exciting club in Jackson Hole. We accept everyone as members who are of age and happy to pay. No application to qualify. Looking for something exciting in your inbox each week? Jackson Hole Wine Club's got you covered. Jackson Hole Wine Club has the wine of the week, which is new and exciting wines at awesome value to enjoy at your home. Please visit the jacksonholeconnection.com slash TLS to learn a whole lot more. Can you talk more about the the grizzly bear and their importance of the ecosystem and not to get into sticky or, you know, topics, but there's always the wolf as well. Um, especially when that was reintroduced and everybody has different opinions uh, as far as the balance of that being in the ecosystem too. But I'm really interested about the grizzly bear more so. Um, yeah, no, we totally, yes, of course. Um, you know, the thing, whether we talk about a grizzly bear a mountain lion or a wolf, and they're all large predators, meaning they're meat eaters, they need enough land to roam, to you know, get sufficient food, where they're young, size of territories. So we need big land for predators. And they, you know, so with the grizzly bears, this region of the greater Yellowstone ecosystem contains both Yellowstone, Grand Teton National Park, parts of Idaho, Montana, Wyoming, different forest lands, wildlife refuge. I mean, it's got so many little pieces of protected land that managing it as one ecosystem gives us cohesion and collaboration to manage this area for the survival of all the species. Because a grizzly bear, if it's hungry, and we're having a really hot, dry August and things start to dry up, that bear is going to move to find enough food. And as the days get shorter, they become more agitated to build up the fat reserves to then lose 40% during winter hibernation. Females go on to, if they lose 40% winter hibernation every year, if they are healthy enough, breeding occurs in June, embryo free floats in the uterus of the female bear until she goes into hibernation. She is healthy enough to rear a cub and survive hibernation, it implants. It's called a delayed implantation. If she's not healthy enough to survive and give birth, she just miscarries, you know, loses the embryo. So it free floats for the summer until the fall. And if she's healthy enough, it will implant and we will end up with baby bears. But if she's not healthy enough, she'll naturally miscarry it. So the overall health of the ecosystem is determining if she gets enough food that we can then have baby bears. So bears have about a six-week gestation period, born about the size of our hand. Bears are not true hibernators, so she's aware in, the, in, the, her, in her den that she's given birth. And then, you know, she nurses the cub for a few months until she comes out in March, April. By now, we have a little cub. And then surviving that cub to adulthood is other risks. But we have this whole, you know, natural selection 
for a bear to give birth. And again, if the ecosystem doesn't support that, let alone the variables that might, you know, that's one variable to start, let alone getting enough food and all that. So that determines success of our bear populations. And then, you know, wolves, you know, wolves are very controversial here in Wyoming and um, every view and opinion is valid. I honor all views and opinions and we're certainly each allowed to have our own. As a biologist, I believe in predator-prey relationships, and I believe that we need to have a balance for a health of an ecosystem. Areas that have members of the deer family, elk or deer that don't have a predator, main predator for um, an elk would be wolves, and main predator for deer would be mountain lions. If you don't have predators, those populations grow. You know, the elk and deer populations will continue to grow in number. If you have too many of any species, they start to negatively impact the land. And here in the greater Yellowstone ecosystem, due to few wolves, the elk were negatively impacting the land, spending too much time in riparian areas or areas near streams, you know, eroding them. We really need the elk to move. And there's not a lot of motivation to move if they're not something chasing you. So we kind of need that to happen. And they co-evolved together. You know, they have a direct predator-prey relationship. Who are we to define what that's, that's what it is in nature, period. We can have our views and opinions, but that's what Mother Nature intended. And I, that's what I support, balance. That's a good balance. <laughs> yeah, until somebody comes back and comments. Don't wear your I Love Wolf t-shirt in the cowboy bar. I always tell people that. <laughs> you can go talk to Dan at the Elk Country Inn and be like, what are you? He's a hunter. We always talk. He knows how I feel. But I see both sides. So. Well, it's, it's important to to hear both sides and respect yeah. both sides. And, and, and that way you find the balance. It's humans needed as just as much as the natural world does. I know. Can't yeah. we learn that? <laughs> yes. We, we all need that for sure. We have and, potential. I have hope for us. And do you lead hikes in more than just the greater Yellowstone ecosystem? Because it is massive, but what else do you do? Where else do you go? You know, this is my main focus. I've always thought of expanding or making it bigger, but I love it here. I don't want to, you know, I do what I enjoy. It seems to work for me. The pieces seem to fall into place. So the only, I am a traveler and I've been many places. I've had the opportunity to be on the summit of Kilimanjaro. I've been to Machu Picchu. I've gone to the Galapagos. I've been to Africa couple of times I'm a traveler that's what I that's what I enjoy but Bhutan is the one place that's special in my heart and I think it is because I I have knowledge of the Dharma Buddha's teachings and the awareness of suffering in our lives and also the peace and ease of learning to let go and Bhutan is a Buddhist country and I went there in 2010 and that experience in a country that has a natural respect and synergy for life, care for other, care for nature, protection of the resource, helping neighbor, smiling at everyone, the kindness, the compassion, the generosity made it just so amazing for me that I thought I should share this. So I take people to Bhutan not as a business endeavor per se. I have a Bhutanese uh, man that I work with and he has similar values to mine. And that country, I've only, I've taken, I think five trips, you know, through the years there and it changes people's lives. It's like being here. 
You get people on a trail around here, they look at things differently. And that is also available in Bhutan. But it happens to be halfway around the world. <laughs> Maybe the greater Yellowstone ecosystem is a nice option here close to home. So that's yes, indeed. And I love what, what you just said. You've seen hiking in the greater stone ecosystem change people's life as well as Bhutan, which I certainly understand Bhutan. And that is on my list. I'm not going to call it a bucket list because it's just my list of things that I desire to do that, that I want to make sure I get done. Um, I don't know if you've seen Mark Domsky's book. Uh, the oh fallacies. yeah, no, he was with yeah. me. Okay. Um, I have a t-shirt and I have right. a box of books if you'd like one. <laughs> uh, I had I had Mark on the podcast once before. It was, it was fabulous. So maybe people will review that and find find a way to uh, get his book as well. But I, I, could, I could I could show it right now. It's in my bookshelf. Yeah, no, no, we don't have to do that. Street <laughs> <laughs> Bajan. I've been to all those places. Um, he even went back. Oh, they did were he? With me. Yeah. Okay. Mark and Lisa were with you to Bhutan. Okay. When, when you say that you've seen people's life change because of their experience of hiking in the greater Yellowstone ecosystem, you know, certainly keep names protected, but what are some, a story that you could share with us where you've heard back from somebody how it has changed their life? Do you, do you have a, such a story you could share? You know, I mean, it's 30 years. I have, I just had someone that just called me this summer, but I, ha I was traveling for family reasons, but um, I lost my cell phone with them one winter years ago, touring, and we found it, you know, and their kids are now, I mean, their kids were like, yo, you know, and now they're in their 20s, right? And they came back and they called me because they were here this summer and remembered the day we had and, you know, wanted to go again. And now their daughter is, you know, wants to spend time here and, you know, into the love of the natural world. And then I get the text like, you know, a place you can rent and, I was unable to take them and I've got a small staff and we are a crew and business would not be successful without the amazing people I work with. And I sent them out with one of the guides who I knew was wonderful. And, you know, then I got thank yous and they loved her and, you know, but just to have them come back so many years later and then to have their daughter, like have that focus and then wanting to spend some time here working kind of remotely. I mean, she, it's not really her career, but this day and age, you know, she can work remotely and she'd like to, to spend more time in the greater Yellowstone ecosystem, you know, but I also like have a lot of second homeowners and through the years, you know, many of us, we fall in love for Jackson for many reasons. And often it has an outdoor activity focus, whatever that might be. And so we've connected people to the landscape. We either connect people to the landscape for their week visit and give them more aha moments by being with a friendly naturalist to share nature and Jackson Hole, even if it's the old fashioned photo or the Alpine slide or whatever may open their door to something they want to do. But um, for people that spend time here, you know, we take them like through the years, I introduce them to little areas, right? I take them to different parts of the valley and then they go on, you know, and share it with their friends. And then I get the calls like, well, we want to come for lunch. And then the, the wife is like, I make lunch. And he's like, yeah, but not like Kathy's. <laughs> so, they want to, you know. so you just build these relationships and you connect them to 
to the ecosystem. So then they know they can walk up to Ski Lake on their own, you know, or, and then they want to come back with their friends to do the little flower walk because their friends are visiting and they want kind of a, let's go with the naturalists. So, you know, they'll tell you all about the flowers and what to eat and medicinal properties and, you know, we'll have a fun day with them. So it's that ongoing, you know, you don't know the ripple effect. So people come back and I introduce them to the area and then they spend time here and enjoy on their own or, you watch the kids grow up and then pretty soon you're taking their kids. And and then actually years ago, if you're familiar with the local um, company, the Clear Creek Group now that's been in business for a while, mm-hmm. I used to hike with Betsy and her boy when they would come up from Georgia, like actually. in the again, 80s, early 90s. And then the boys are here. I mean, I used to hike with them. I had a Rottweiler. They were little. And then Chandler went on to be like, you know, up at the Amagani, you know, mm-hmm. booking hikes with me. And, you know, and they're now in the valley living here, doing the Jackson Hole life. And I introduced them, you know, all those years ago. They stayed at the Crescent H when it used to be a guest brand. That's a perfect example of just, yeah. So. And, and they're very involved in the community now, especially with, with that business. And like you said, they're boys. And actually, one of the boys, used, I used to work with them at the liquor store. Yes. Um, with <laughs> Ashley. With yeah, Ashley. I was going to say. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Uh-huh. Yep. Yeah. Is he still here? He is. Yeah. Okay. I see him uh, out and about in the town. Yeah. Okay, good. I For sure. But no, Betsy, she'll reach out to me, ask me questions. I mean, we'll take some of their clients. But yeah, no, Betsy and Phil. And it was Betsy and the boys, really. Mm-hmm. I love it. I love it. And if people are thinking about just getting outside wherever they live, do you have some pointers for them which will help them have a different experience when hiking wherever they are? Because you're a professional hiker. You are the pro, Kathy. Right, right, right. Well, I say the first thing I think to remember is nature's everywhere. You know, nature is not just in the greater Yellowstone ecosystem. Nature is everywhere. And nature will rejuvenate us and make us feel better. Time spent in nature is, can always be a win-win situation. If you go into nature with a state of presence. You know, John Muir said once, if he didn't go into something like, if he didn't go into nature with a state of presence, why was he there? So if we actually can go into nature, wherever it is, even if it's in your office in New York City and you're looking at the blue sky, you know, you take a few breaths, you know, paying attention to your breath, you will calm, you will have a little bit more spaciousness. So it's mostly being present with the activity of being in nature. And if you can just breathe, focus on your breath, if you were stressed or if you were just, things were seeming a little crazy, it'll just calm you. So I do think it's important that we stay in nature when we're in nature, not trying to think about our grocery list and our meeting coming later or picking the kids up from after school or whatever, but we try to stay in nature in that moment. We'll get the benefit from it anywhere. And sometimes if I'm having a harder time just staying present, you know, we can, you can, we can look around and what are we seeing? Are there clouds in the sky? What we're trying to do is calm our thoughts. But if I'm actually on a trail and I get that time and I'm not looking just out the window before my meeting, taking a couple of deep breaths, calming myself in my office, wherever that might be. If I'm actually able to get on a trail, then I might focus a little bit more on one of my senses. I often use a sense of touch and it can be as simple as feeling your foot on the trail. 
Because again, what we're trying to do is be present and not be thinking about everything. Because we want to just think our feet, step, step, step. And you just start to calm and, and be in the activity. And then you get a better reward. And so I often will do touch. Sometimes I feel the air on my skin. You're just trying to give your mind a focal point. Maybe sound, you know, listen to the sounds around. But we can benefit from nature in a bigger way if we, um, you know, just try to stay present in the activity. And our breath is a great tool, even if you're in a city. Just look out the window. Or look at your, you know, if you're in a balcony and you live in a city and you got a couple of little plants there, the butterfly will come visit. You know, just slow down for a minute to enjoy and you'll feel better. I can certainly tell that you have a foundation of Buddhist knowledge from, <laughs> from listening to you. I, I've read very little but I have read some things. I actually read a meditation, a, a mindfulness card every day written by a Buddhist monk and I have a big old stack of them and I read and I write it down every day. And what you just said is so along that plane and not to get into spirituality or a particular religion or anything, but it's so true. Just being out wherever you are, use one of those senses or multiple senses that we we have to be in the moment. Be right. in the moment. Or, or, or sit by a stream and listen to the water. Mm -hmm. But if nothing else, we can look out the window and you can just look at the blue sky and breathe. Yeah. And the thing about it is you also can maybe realize a lot of other people are looking out their window and breathing. You know, and you've got this web again, it's bigger than maybe we know. That's that's right. That's so true. Kathy, what is the best way for people to connect with you and the whole hiking experience. Nice of you to ask, Stefan. <laughs> well, um, you know, we certainly have a website, you know, and it's um, wholehike.com, like Jackson Hole. Email is always a great way, um, you know, to get in touch with us, or you can call. It's a simple number to remember, you know, because the area code, you know, here initially, 307-690-HIKE. <laughs> so it's 307-690-4453 is our phone number. On one of your questions, you ask what our favorite gadget is. And I try to be kind of a maybe nature girl, not too gadgety. But years ago, I remember my great client friend, and we've become great friends. She, um, she's like, you got to get an iPhone so people can start emailing you and texting you in the morning. And I'm like, no. <laughs> But here it is, you know, we, we email and text. <laughs> so, you know, getting, so any of those ways you can get a hold of us. I am a nature girl. And sometimes I'm like, no gadgets. <laughs> yeah. Unplug. Unplug. Exactly. But I, someone in the office is always plugged in. I have wonderful, um, as I said, people helping me. So at the, currently Jill is the, my right hand gal office manager, worked with her for like 15 years. So you're going to either catch me or Jill usually on the phone. Awesome. Speaking of unplugging, I went to a camp growing up in Mississippi. And when we were of the higher teenage years, we would go on some road trips to do some special work to give back to the community. And one of the criteria for going on that road trip was all, and, and this is before phones and such, but everybody had many games and everybody had headphones, Walkmans, you know, that played the cassettes, you couldn't bring any of that stuff. You were not allowed because they wanted people to talk and be engaged with everybody, with each other. So, and ending on that, it's, it's wonderful to engage and talk to you. I love your passion for, for our environment, for our community. And thank you for sharing this insight. And, and I hope it inspires people to get out 
and enjoy nature and use those senses, like you said, of wherever they are. They could be in a city and there's always, like you said, nature is all around us. Yes, thanks, Steph. And I, I agree. Here's some more time on the trail. Happy trails, Kathy. Happy trails to you too. To learn more about Kathy and whole hiking experience, visit the JacksonHoleConnection.com, episode number 104. If you're out there and want to offer a rating or review, please do that. Easy to share this podcast as well. So I love people who share these episodes. So please get out there, give us a rating, review, and do some sharing. I sure hope you've enjoyed this episode, and I look forward to seeing you back for the next episode of the Jackson Hole Connection.